recorded. Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. This is episode 341. For the second time, Dr. Joe Whitcomb. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for having me on there, Eric. <laughs> Man, we had some technical difficulties, you know. Uh, Zoom was failing on us, so, so we had to adapt. Mm-hmm. You're on the run, so let me, just, let me just go back. I met you in Santa Monica in 2012, like a little lost puppy, you know, looking for love. You just uh, got out of a 20-year marriage. I see wide-eyed Dr. Joe Whitcomb at a speed dating event. You know, at first, he's my male competition. At first, I'm like, oh, I got to keep the ladies away from this silver fox. But then, no, <laughs> no ladies showed up. No hosts showed up. It was just us two. Like little bumps on a log uh -huh. waiting for the ladies to show up to a speed dating event. Embarrassing, you know. So then you go, hey, many years later, hey, come to the Ukraine. That's where all the hot broads are, you know. Hey, come to the Ukraine. What could go wrong? I go, Joe Wickholm, I'm in Austin, Texas. I, got, I just signed a lease for a year. I don't know if the timing's going to work out. Come to Kiev, Joe Wickholm said, you know, ladies and stuff. Well, how'd that go? You're a refugee. <laughs> well you know sometimes life and love can be a circus other times it can be a ghost town and sometimes it's just a dead end and sometimes you take the right or wrong turn you end up in ukraine here i am we're actually now in tour in poland so it's uh it's been a it's been a wild ride brother oh my god well i want to hear your whole witness statement hopefully i got time with you i want to know the timeline of what happened but before we get to what um, has transpired for you, I want to go back to Highway Diary episode 313, and some prophetic things were state, stated this. This uh, was August of 2021. Which is connection, right? Bottom line, you know, to kind of... Connection, you know, community. Connection, yes. Yeah. That's the problem, connection. And what's the, you know, what's... And the inability to create connections or make connections happen, right? Do you so think, do you, uh, Dr. Joe Whitcomb, do you think that sometimes people protesting in a, in a mob against their government or against protesting against whatever the mob is that unrequited love, that need for connection? Is that why? Yeah. As above, so below, Dr. Joe Whitcomb. You can only take your patients as far as you take yourself. That's something you told me. And this, <laughs> this, need, for, right. this need for connection, I think, brought you all the way to a war zone, man. Yeah, right. Did, did, right. I, did you hear? I don't know if I broke up what I was saying. You know, life is, love is like a, sometimes a circus, other times a, a ghost town, and sometimes a dead end. But... It's that idea, you know, that that search for connection. You know, it's like our, right now we've got our phones on and we're, um, you know, and the phone works great when you have a connection. Um, and, it, and then the battery burns out really fast when it's up there and you're scanning, trying to get satellite connection and Elon Musk's uh, internet isn't working the way we'd like it to here in Ukraine. So... 
but yeah, we're, you know, it's like everything is, you know, it's because if you take your phone right in the middle of the ocean or up in the airplane, you don't put it on, you know, plane mode or airplane mode, you know, what happens to the battery? Burns out, right? After about 45 minutes. So yeah, connection, connection. Did you find what you're looking for so, in this crazy scenario where you have to flee a country, you have to flee Ukraine to go find safety in Poland? Have you been just making well, brother, fast I came friends? here for an adventure. I came here for an adventure. So, yeah, I found exactly what I was looking for, an adventure in love and life. And and um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I could have anticipated this adventure the way I... I, I never scripted it out this way. I never anticipated that. I don't even think the Ukrainians did, obviously, or the world. But, you know, nothing prepared. And here we are, right? We got COVID, two years plus. Now we got this war in, in uh, we got this war now. And uh, bees attacking us, killing civilians. So, yeah, it's not the, necessarily the, the adventure I signed up for originally, but man, it's been it's been it's been a wild ride back home into my own heart, and so it's been good. Um, so I want to play this clip from episode three one three of Highway Diary. Did you find any ladies in the Ukraine or anything like that? You know, it was really interesting. You know. Um, you know, I didn't, I went over there to find it, you know, to see about a girl, right? So I did, just to be honest. Um, didn't see her a lot. She's from the Donetsk area, that part of Ukraine that's had a lot of Russian occupation, a lot of trauma. She's got a small village, you know. So I'd been talking to her, like, four months, like, online, you know, just kind of getting to know her. And it was really interesting moving it from uh, the dating app into, like, Facebook and video chatting. This girl doesn't speak any English, right? So, and I don't speak any Russian, just to be fair to her, um, the way we're playing field. So I started to try to learn Russian, right? So it was really cool, you know, and I started learning a lot about, interp you know, through Google Translate, interpretation. And as a therapist, you know, and doing couple therapy, it's always interesting about interpretation and translating and adding subtracting meaning. And so I'm like sending her these Google texts translates from English. So I said to her, hey baby, I got your back, right? So I had sent it to her a few times, but I never got a response. And I Googled and I reversed it, right, to English. And it said, hey child, I got your spinal. So I'm like, no wonder why this thing is not moving forward. I'm going to rip but your spine out. So there was a lady in Danesk, and you were chatting with her yes. years ago. And yeah. then you go, yeah. <laughs> you're like, Hey, she's a nice lady. Maybe I'm going to move to the Ukraine and do some therapy there. Well, that wasn't uh, the the coming here wasn't just about the ladies. I, I have a I have a, a project I've been working on for seven years called Bonfire Project. It's a trauma informed mixed reality for the metaverse. Uh, work with military veterans, first responders. So I have I have an organization here about thirty people that are developing. Uh, I've been doing the research and doing the developing. Um, so, yeah, the late, I mean, de definitely added incentive, added value to the move, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but, you know, the main 
uh, impetus, thrust, vector. Uh, well, I can be all thrust, no vector sometimes, but that's okay. You know, I can turn. <laughs> I can. But the thrust and vector of my intention was to come out here and develop this project um, to work with military veterans, first responders uh, in a metaverse, you know, using. Because about seven years ago, Eric had found this hole in the universe, right? And being doing trauma work. And I. And I'm filling it, taking this ocean of trauma-informed like technology, and distilling it into a drop that we know is like Oculus and HTV and all these other uh, types of things to keep people connected, right? So, um, so all of our project is trauma-informed, relationship-focused type of uh, development. Uh, we've got an amazing couple team that's running it. Wife is the CEO. She's absolutely uh, she's Ukrainian, brilliant. Um, her husband, Eugene, brilliant, and then 30 other people on the team. So, uh, in a, I'm sure everyone um, has been watching the news and just seeing the, the heart and the solidarity and the compassion that these people have. And that's what I saw when I came out here before, right? I mean, it's, but that's, uh, yeah, so yeah, the ladies, you know, the, the women here are, you know, it's kind of old world, right? It's, you know, have an old world soul and heart and, um, you know, so it's been a, it's been a wonderful experience. I've, I haven't been seeing that girl. She and I are still friends. I'm making sure that she's safe and she has what she needs. But, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, just a lot going on right now, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. You know, being able to do humanitarian work on the ground, and um, we're doing some really significant things to help refugees. Hello, you're breaking up a little. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I um, can hear you. So you 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 just said you're doing a lot of work to help refugees. Um, now, can you explain a little bit about economy, get jobs? Can you tell me a little bit about the Bonfire Project? Like, you, you seem like the Johnny Appleseed of VR headsets to alleviate people's trauma, and you're on the front line of the war zone, plugging people into virtual reality. Uh, yeah. How exactly does this this work, the Bonfire Project? Well, right now it's in development. It's never been done before. So this is brand new. So what we're doing is we're creating... Um, not just uh, an environment we're creating experiences like for instance uh one in for just one instance like we're with the military they might be separated a husband wife might be separated one might be let's say in ukraine the other one's here in, in california we can connect people and you have the therapist work with them keep them connected there's facial recognition we put them in the same room they can sit down and join their wife and kids for, for breakfast, lunch, and do all sorts of stuff. We also do like uh, safe space, uh, guided meditation work. Um, brother, we have thousands of different protocols that we're developing that are membership based. That they're going to go in the app. You can download it to your phone and connect immediately with a trauma informed VR mixed reality therapist. Uh, to work with them or to simply do applications to do um, like uh, EMDR, uh, somatic experiencing. But we're, 
it's this embodiment so that we can empower people, educate them, give them the tools, resources for resiliency building, educate them, uh, give them a corrective emotional experience in this environment. And for anyone that's in gaming in VR knows that, I mean, it feels real, right? It's your mind, like 99% of your brain feels like as if you're there and it's real. So it's this embodiment is really transforming. We're here to really transform uh, the way we work with trauma. We're able to do body feedback, capture all the analytics on breathing, you know, uh, eye movement, um, heart rate. All that's captured so that we can can really be able to work with work with the individual and the and the couples and the community. So that's incredible. That's you're plugging them into yeah. the into the metaphors for some uh, trauma-based therapy. Listen, I, I just want to play this clip, uh, this next clip from Highway Diary, episode three one three, because you stated your intention back in August of twenty twenty one on my podcast. It's kind of fascinating that that's exactly what you're doing now. Right, I'm, I'm announcing it to you right now. I'm going to be traveling, spending six months in a different country doing teletherapy and coaching in groups for about six months in each country. I've got my whole team set up, my safe, my structure, my base camp, all my communication team, all we've been getting that set up. So we're going to be doing some stuff. I wanted to do some research around different cultures around, you know, trauma, because there's a lot of trauma there coming out of the Ukraine and, um, and wartime. And we deal with a lot of that here in the United States. You're, you stated an intention of solving people's wartime trauma from the Ukraine. I mean, what the hell? August 2021, right. you said that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't foresee this, but um, I really believe Kiev or Ukraine is the epicenter here of trauma-informed work. And, uh, we're working with like Pepperdine to create Village Up so we have sustainable homes for refugees. Uh, you know, just again, so that they can have sustainable jobs, income. Like we had to move, we have out of our 30, out of our 30 uh, members of our team back in Kiev, uh, a majority of them were women, so we had to get them out of Kiev, put them in, ones in, some are in Hungary, Poland, Slovakia, uh, and uh, Amsterdam. So they, the women are safe, but the men, 18 and over, as you probably know, have to stay by law to either fight or, you know, be prepared to fight. And they all are. They're all picking up arms, the militia, they're either military or they're civilians fighting this fight. And um, so it's pretty, uh, it's really inspiring. I don't know if you're seeing what uh, Zelensky is doing, but it's really, I think they need to get, I think we're nominating the, Zelensky and the Ukrainian people for the Nobel Peace Prize. I think they've earned it uh, in so many ways. Because um, they're not just fighting for their freedom and democracy. I think they're making a statement and really fighting for and speaking truth to power So for all of our freedom and all of our democracy in some way, right? Metaphorically or in real time or however. So it's 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 definitely I, it's kind of because you know this country is only thirty years old. It's thirty two years old. It's only been separated from the USSR Soviet Union since the dismantling of the Soviet Union. 
So it's new, and it's had so much attacks and wars from Putin and, and trying to reclaim certain territory um, that they're claiming. But we forget, you know, Kiev is the motherland and the, the, the birth city of all Russia and all Russian cities. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot at stake here. But we're here to invest again and to reinvigorate, venerate, and to uh, give, to build that, that economy and these people. Uh, I think this war will be won by the Ukrainians in a couple months. Um, I think the sanctions will take them down and they'll implode as far as like Russian implosion. And all the Russian zombies will go home. Uh, that's my prayer. So, did you just say build back better? Oh, what's that? Did you say build, it's going to get built back better? You yeah, think? I really believe, I believe it's been burned down to zero, right? You burn it down to zero, you build it back up again. And there's a big impetus here, I think, if people are, I, I hope, are seeing the character of Ukrainians because 40 million of these Ukrainian people are showing us our human potential. So I think that's saying a lot, but but I think it's what I'm seeing from their own humanitarian efforts, the way they treat the Russian soldiers. I don't know if you saw that, but this one guy, they were, you know, they, the, 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 the military, Russian, or the Ukrainian military were around in their stoop. He was crying. In food, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a totally different level of compassion because these are brothers. These to them, these are brothers and sisters. You know, they're not fighting an enemy; they're fighting a brother or sister. Yeah, deal for them. You know, so it's so they they and they know that they've been brainwashed, you know, by Putin, and they you know. And all that stuff, and that's true, you because know, Ukraine's a very liberal, liberated, free democracy, and uh, and we got to keep it that way. Hmm. Um, I want to go back. Uh, this is the last clip I'm going to play from Highway Diary three one three. But we were talking in America about how a lot of politicians have come and went, and their crimes against humanity continue to stain America. For example, the Vietnam War got us in by McNamara, you know, he was never publicly beheaded and our country became shittier and shittier. This is uh, something we said on Highway Diary episode 313 about responsibility for freedom. Uh, we want our freedom without responsibility, our accountability. And people want the accountability and hold people kind of, uh, kind of subjugated to that from holding their freedom. And that's a balance that's really going to be, and I think we got to stand on the side of relationship and freedom. So, you're, you know, you're seeing on the front line that if you want freedom, you have to take it in your you know, your personal responsibility for, for your freedom. You know, like the people raising arms now. What do you? You've kind of alluded to it. Can you? get more into the politics of how this got started? Is it as simple as just Putin was like, I want the Ukraine, so he rolled in? Was it building from anything, or? 
Well, he's been trying to restore the old USSR for since it's been in office for 22 years, right? And it's been very strategic. And his side, I don't. What's interesting, Eric? I knew nothing about Eastern Europe um, or Ukraine five years ago, even t- really two years ago, right? I knew very little. I knew the names, I knew the cities. That's about it. I didn't know the people, the politics. I'm kind of apolitical by nature. I mean, I'm I'm always on the side of relationship and on the side of reconciliation, healing. I don't. I'm not a political person, so. Uh, I didn't really understand the makeup of that until more recently. But, yeah, his, uh, whole, his whole intention is to reclaim, you know, I think, USSR, you know, re- rebuilding that uh, that dynasty, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I think he could have got away with it maybe 30, 40 years ago, 30 or 40 years ago. But today, with our social media... I mean, I'm watching literally 400, 500,000 IT people going Mr. Robot on on Russia. So it's not going to happen, you know, because they're just, they're going to get hit because the world is not going to tolerate that, you know, aggression or uh, dictatorship or this type of world, of, you know, this oppression. And um, so I like that. You know, it, this isn't just the Ukrainian war. I, I was when I was crossing the border, I was on a twelve-hour train ride to go three hours. Normally, it would take three hours. Get to the middle of the Ukraine, standing up in the dark, and we had to pause and stop every like so often, like every hour for like half hour, forty-five minutes, because Russian jets were going by or tanks were cro- tra- tanks, Russian tanks were crossing the tracks, and just the threat of being shot at. So we had to go dark the entire way and very slow. But on my travels, it was really interesting. I would see like um, UK, French, American, um, uh, ex you know former military, Marines, uh, Army, all these guys flooding in to fight this war. Right? Um, I didn't say anything when I was on the road because I didn't want to. Away to, but now it's known that people are out there fighting. But I meet these guys, and uh, I got a chance to talk with them. I met like 20 uh, range rangers, airborne rangers, at a McDonald's <laughs> who I had to stop and go to the bathroom. And I'm like, what are you guys doing here? You know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they were just, actually, they were just on the other side of the Poland border. Uh, they were doing some other work. But uh, for this for this uh, support of this war, but it's been crazy, man. Crazy. Uh, well, you're a veteran, you know, and you told me that you've had yeah. some residual PTSD issues. I'm just, you know, you you spent uh, you were you had a lovely life for a long time, living living it up in Santa Monica. Uh, you know, then after your divorce, you, you know, you were having trouble keeping your practice. You were homeless for a minute. Yeah, you know, you went to... Four years. I was, I was homeless for four years, Eric. Four years. In Los <laughs> Angeles. It's so expensive there. Then you go uh-huh. to Eastern Europe. You get to try to get a totally new start. Things are looking hopeful. Uh, and you, now you're finding yourself back in a war conflict from your veteran days. Like, like how are you coping? It seems like you've just been through so much. Um, that it's Well, like, yeah. 
Well, the military, I mean, I didn't go to war. I was, uh, I, I was in the Philippines for four years during the first Gulf War in support of that, doing medical evacuation, uh, patient you know, transport in the, in the Pacific Rim. Um, but I've seen a lot because we had uh, the NPA, New People's Army, in the Philippines who got through a hell of uh, a, lot of, a lot of crazy stuff there. And I, you know, I had a lot of that, carried a lot of that trauma around with me. But this time going in, I was trauma-informed, right? So I knew I was, I knew what to be looking for. So not only military trained, but clinically trained in trauma had really been um, critical, I think, in, in just being able to keep my bearings, keep my humor, my spirits high, my mood high, what to look for. Um, I uh, I walked out a few times of my complex and I got stopped by, because they have what are called like Russian saboteurs and the Russian saboteurs would go in and mark buildings and areas with X's for them to be bombed. So I was I was confronted quite a bit um, when I would be out and about, and even just going to the store to try to buy some uh, goods, uh, some food or whatever. I would always get stopped. So I'd always have to like keep my passport, keep a good spirit, make sure I had my translation app accessible and ready. But with the day I had to leave, right, I was kind of forced to leave because uh, uh, they were now, you, the Russians were occupying, or at least attempting to occupy uh, Kiev. But uh, my team were amazing at just masterminding this underground exit strategy. They called people for me because I don't speak Russian or Ukrainian, so they made the calls. Uh, they bought my train ticket. They they made sure I had drivers. and So everything was kind of orchestrated for me in this mastermind group conversation. And um, so it's really interesting how it all kind of came together and how I was able to kind of navigate my way kind of grow because I don't speak the language, right? So I'm sitting here watching and observing everybody. I'm like trying to code and decode. What are they saying? What are they doing? Watching their movements. Um, I had a couple opportunities to go with the U.S. Embassy, but I declined because I just wanted to have this adventure. Um, and I didn't want to get caught up being told where to go and what to do by the U.S. Embassy and people. That's just how I wired. But uh, I took my adventure, went down the tracks, got to Lviv, um, and I think the, the most terrifying moment for me was I, I did have a Ukrainian girlfriend and her son. We got separated and for uh, about a week. Um, she had to go home, and when she got home, there was bombs and explosions, and uh, she couldn't make it back, so we got separated. And Eric, I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever been more terrified. And I wasn't terrified about being, um, getting bombed or, you know, what was happening around me. You know what I was terrified over? What? I was terrified that I was going to die alone. That we were disconnected. I was isolated alone. I was terrified. I mean, I, my heart and my body was that was the first time I ever think I felt terror in my life. And it lasted me about three hours. 
Let me yeah. play. Let me. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. I gotta cut you off. Let me play this clip here. Okay, just connection, right? Bottom line, you know, to kind of connection, community, connection. You said number one importance in your Maslow's hierarchy of needs is connection. And the time you felt mm -hmm. terror is when you're like, I'm gonna die alone in this war, and I, I don't even, not even with my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I Christ. mean, we, we can reflect back to 9/11, right? I mean, what did we do at 9/11 when that all that, that all happened, right? We picked up the phone and we connected to our spouses, or family, and friends, and are you okay? We connected, right? And and we found comfort in that, you know. So I, for me, you know, that's one of the things that our trauma-informed work is to, to make sure that we keep that constant connection uh, with people. Meaning with COVID right now, you know, we're so disconnected, so fractured as a society, right? You can't, if you're a cancer patient or you're in hospice, you can't be and connect with your family. You're disconnected, right? And that, you know, people get worse. You know, because they're not able to have human touch, human connection, and, uh, you know, because of what's occurred in society and how COVID's even shut that down. And we've gotten pretty comfortable with being isolated, alone, and alienated. Um, but, you know, more people are depressed, anxious, suicidal because of this loss of connection, this uh, centering of modernity, this fracturing of society. And so, we gotta, you know, there's, we're gonna have to invent and create new ways to connect um, in, uh, in maybe, you know, the metaverse here is one way, you know, to do it. Obviously, real time. Um, but this is where we're going. You know, this is the next level place, and we're gonna bring trauma informed work, turning gaming into a real. Uh, modality for healing the you know this is the, the problem is disconnection and the solution is connection so that's what we're doing man it's heavy man um so do, um you know personally when you said that you saw 20 Ar army rangers in a mcdonald's uh, having a bathroom stop to me, that's uh, my. I also had a friend who went over there to train some locals. Um, I. This might be unpopular. I want America to stay the hell away from war for like fifty years. Like, how about we like? Chill? How about America stays out of our other people's business? Like, you know, in the Civil War, I'm sure that there were bankers funding both sides of the American Civil War and uh, profiteering mm -hmm. off it. And, you know, as soon as you get Halliburton and Blackwater and Raytheon over in the Ukraine, uh, I start to go, okay, what what are we doing? Is this a business? Is this profiteering? Um, you know, if you know, but it's always a tricky situation. Should yes. we help these people have rebel rouse? Or again, it's like, you know, you're you're going around, you're trying to figure out what's going on political wise without knowing the language or without knowing the you know, the origin story of Russia is Kiev, Ukraine. So, you know, this goes way back and it's like, you know, if if during the Civil War, if I'm fighting, you know, uh, <laughs> is someone in Alabama, I'm from New Jersey, 
And then some French guy gets off a boat. Ooh, ooh, I'm gonna fight too. Now fuck this. Now, now me and the guy from Alabama are gonna shoot the French guy in the head. Get out of here. This is not. This <laughs> right, ain't your right, fucking right. business, bro. Right. This is between right, us. Right. You don't know. You don't right. even speak the language. Get, hey, right. get, take your cheese. Get back on your fucking boat. Go back to fucking France. So when I see right. Americans right. in the Ukraine. When I see Americans in the Ukraine, I get really worried. So that's the yeah. only political thing I'd say about this whole yeah. thing. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. Yes, and Yes, and I'll go with the improv. Yes, and <laughs> Because it is political in one sense, right? But I'm not a politician. I'm about the human factor, right? And what you're seeing and what I'm experiencing and what I'm witnessing firsthand are these violations of human connection. Right, these violations of, of humanity, where people are that are good human beings, you know, that are rising up. And I'm not looking at it through the lens of politics. Again, I'm not a politician. I'm looking at how is this impacting them, us, the world. And I don't think they're just fighting our fight. I think or their fight. I think they're fighting for a noble purpose and cause because. Um, and they don't want to go back to that. I mean, if they surrender to this oppression and this dictator, what next? You know. So our, I don't think America. I, I I forgot to mention that I saw the American troops on the Poland side, but I I met other people that were former military and former Marines, former SEALs, former people that were French, Amer uh, French, UK, and American that were there to help train, support, uh, give them strategies. And if you notice some of the, you know, the Ukrainians are now taking more strategic offensive approaches to take back cities, right? Well, they, they're learning how to do that from a lot of the experience of uh, all these other groups of people. So a lot of it is strategic and they're teaching and training and giving them the ground level you know, support. Um, I don't know. I mean, I hear you. I'm on the side of relationship, though, and reconciliation, um, taking a stand for those who are can't fight for themselves in some ways, the underdogs. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, yes, it's political, but yes, it's also human. You know, and I, and that's in the human spirit, and. Um, so I, I try to stay clear of any of the political Mohamba Jamba, but I don't want. Hold on, I don't want to talk about Mohamba Jambo. But you were a veteran, and then you chose not to submit yourself to the U.S. Embassy. You don't want to right. put your arms, go to the arms of daddy bureaucrats. You're a man of the people, no. Joe Whitcomb. So then, you know, yeah. you, 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 you took an 11-hour train ride instead of go to the U.S. Embassy. Fuck you guys. Don't tell me what to do. They would have probably extradited you back to, you know, this Wherever. States. And I would have had a choice. Yeah. I would have been like, where's your passport? Here's my, okay, now you're under. Right? And I didn't want that, right? I had more success. I was, when I was in Lviv, I, was, I had a friend in the French Embassy. He called me up, and he's like, hey, you know, we can get you to France taking a bus, a convoy, I thought, oh, that would be great, but then I don't like, no, I don't want to be stuck behind a bus, uh, other, you know, uh, so we we navigated our way across the border through back channels, underground channels, and what took them 14 hours to clear the border took me four, so it was, uh, um, you know, it just, 
it's just really, you know, you know, I think for me, it's always having the power and freedom to choose something different, right? And I had, so having that power and freedom to choose something different is kind of the drum I beat, you know, in life. Man, you're a wild man. I respect you. You know, that's why I was watching your Facebook feed as all this go down. I'm like, look at this guy. He's. I, I hope he's okay mentally. He's putting himself through a lot of trauma, you know. But, you know, here. Uh, here well, what did you notice on my, on my Facebook feed? Uh, that you always, had, about, you always had a smile on your face? Yeah. And it's not about me, right? It was about serving humanity. And finding ways to do that in ways that uh, can really save lives. And I don't know what I'm doing, man. I'm just making up as I go along, groping through darkness, trying to find a black cat in a black ring in the middle of midnight. And it's hard. But it's doable. We're doing it. And so that's what we're trying to trying to accomplish. Um, you know, trying to bring clarity to all this confusion. And... Uh, and uh, be a light, you know, bringing light to this dark. I was, when I was in my terror moment, I was, there was this poem by Dylan Thomas called, um, Do Not Go Into That Good Night, Rage, Rage Against the Dying of the Light. That kind of became my mantra, you know, rage, rage against the dying of the light. And that got me through a lot, right? So it's just like, some people pray, I pray. Some people meditate, read scripture, read, sing songs. Uh, but for me, I just kept reading that poem by Dylan Thomas over and over and over again. And it was, um, it was a powerful experience. You know, it's transformative. Um, you know, I chose to act and Providence moved with me and, and, um, and it still is. And I appreciate all the people on Facebook and the community, my tribe support. Um, because I, I definitely couldn't have done it alone. You know, I felt... It, there were moments where I felt very, very, very alone, you know, and, and I, because I was, you know, <laughs> that's, but, well, uh, well, I just want to say there's heroes, there's villains, it's hard to see a light of uh, bright happiness through the fog of war, it's hard to know, you know, who's who, you know, is Zelensky a good president, I don't know, he was an actor where he played a he played uh, the president on a TV show, and then they pluck him from obscurity like a reality show star, and then all of a sudden he becomes president. Kind of like Donald Trump. Anyway, heroes, villains, who do you trust? Yeah, um, right. You wrote well, on Facebook. Reagan, Ronald Reagan was an actor. And yeah. He's, I don't know how his politics are. I don't know, and I kind of don't care. I don't. I just don't care. But what I do care about is that he's a good leader, and he connects people. And he connects the heart. He speaks truth to power in a way that resonates for a lot of people. And I think that um, and he's not doing it in a Trump kind of way. He's doing it in a very, you know, uh, collective mindshare unity. You know, he's doing it without committing, you know, crimes against humanity um, and uh, calling it out where he sees it. And so I don't know his politics. I mean... I, I don't know, but I do know when he got inaugurated on his inauguration day, when he told people, he said to everybody, because you don't see his photo anywhere, he said, he said, 
do not put my photo or my picture in your office or your or anywhere. I don't want to see that. Because what you need to put in your office is your family and your children, because that's who you're making your choices for. So, I mean, that's kind of a different way of thinking, right? It's not about his ego. It's about creating connection and about, you know, this purpose of unity. And so you don't see this guy with a big ego, you know, putting himself, you know, he doesn't want his picture on any of these public walls, you know, like you see in all these other countries that even our country, you know. So, you know, because that's, that's who you're fighting for, that's who you're voting, when you make a choice, that's who you're voting for, your family, your friends, your children, your, your legacy. So that's a dif- that's a distinction I would make about him as a president. Um, again, I don't know the politics of all that, but from a human perspective, uh, he's a people's champion, so... Hey, uh, you know, there's there's definitely worse people to be uh, president than an actor, like a eugenicist. But I think uh, anyway, I don't um, know. there's yeah, he- yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, heroes, villains, bad guys. Who's good? You wrote on Facebook. This is Roman Veramenko. Before the war, he was yeah. a Ukrainian professional cameraman. Now he is the Ukrainian professional cameraman searching and rescuing refugees. From dangerous cities, which I was one of them. He does this for no money and without self-defense weapon, and is or life-saving pro- protective body armor. He doesn't have helmets for himself or the people he's trying to rescue. Uh, Joe Whitcomb doesn't go to the embassy. He goes to Roman Veramenko's uh, charity, and he uh, gets him. <laughs> he watches these civilians become activated, and all of a sudden, there's an underground railroad of people uh, and. Uh, uh, taking pe- refugees out. Many civilians have been killed or simply yeah. trying to leave a city, and others were killed trying to bring food, water supplies to the people that have been immobilized and left to die by the Russian military. Who's this guy, Roman Veramenko? Dr. Joe Wickham? He's a Ukrainian professional photographer with a big heart, right? And who's there to, you know, rescue people. And so I met him, how I met him. When I was in Rutnia, that's where I stopped at my midway point because I was standing for 12 hours. It was going to be another, I don't know how long, another 10 hours to go another two hours, um, uh, which would have been. So I got off Rutnia. I had my business partner, he and his wife, uh, escaped there. So we stopped. They put me up in a hotel, which was great. But when I was in this hotel, um, Ukraine Hotel, Hotel Ukraine, they had, uh, there was this, there was these guy, reporters, TV and radio reporters uh, there, and they hooked me up with this guy. They, they called their producer, they, he came and got me on Saturday at 1 o'clock sharp. I mean, this guy was on time for everything. Nothing was going to hold him back. So he got there, he was driving this really nice older but nice BMW and there was two girls in the back seat one of them had a cat which I'm totally allergic to but we made it a road trip all the way from Rivnia to Lviv and then he took them the rest of the way to the Poland border Um, I stopped in Lviv because I was going to my partner she and her son were going to uh, take their 18 hours but it took her 72 72 hours to get to, to me and uh, 
So I thought I was out of clear with the cat allergies, and then the only place, the only cafe that was open was called Cat Cafe, and I walked in this Cat Cafe, <laughs> and, there were, and there were cats everywhere. Oh, and no. Everywhere. Oh, and the other thing in Ukraine, the Ukraine law is you can't buy or sell, you can't sell or buy alcohol, so there was no Bloody Marys available, or vodka, or tequila, or beer, you know, all I wanted was a pizza and a beer, and, uh, and uh, denied, but I did have my pizza. And then you have tea covered in cats. Oh my gosh, oh, that was, that was my allergies were terrible for about another half a day just to get the hair off me. Oh but God. yeah, they would sit there right on the table in the chairs eating and getting right in your face. One of them actually slapped and tried to slap food out of my hand. And, but the requirement is you can't retaliate or push back on these cats or throw them on the table. You just have to join them, or they join you. So <laughs> the only place that was open like in a mile, everything else was shut down. And I guess they had to keep the cats fed. Well, I'm the same way. I'm hell allergic to cats. So it's like, uh, you know, anyway, that sounds like a nightmare. Um, so of all the places you went, you went to two run, run, run to two, two run, two run Poland. It's a place called two run Poland. That's yeah, where you're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the home of Copernicus. Uh, yeah, you know the the old. Uh, uh, and uh, well, first when we we got out, we wanted to go someplace safe, right? So we went to. Uh, 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 Zakaponia, Zakaponia, it's a, it's a mountain village skiing on the border of Slovakia and Poland. Stayed there for about a week. It was great. Just kind of uh, clearing out the nervous system from all the trauma and kind of getting your brain and nervous system lagging weighted, so that was good. And then we went to Krakow and stayed on the Vistul River on a houseboat. Or, or a house, not boat, but like a house that was on the river, the Fischuel River. And then we went to Torin, uh, Poland, and they have a, a great, it's a beautiful old medieval city. Uh, Copernicus was, uh, am I saying his name right for some reason? I feel like I'm saying I think, wrong. yeah, Copernicus. Yeah, he's, that was his home, and they have a college, university here. Um, Lot. So you see his image everywhere, statues. So it's a very intriguing old village, old, old, old city, medieval. Um, man, I gotta post some more photos of that city, but I'll probably be here for about another couple of weeks, and I might go up to the Black Sea um, for the. And then I'm planning on heading back because I'm doing a lot of this humanitarian work right now in Village Up with Pepperdine alumni. Um, uh, Harlow and Helen Hendricks with Safe Conversations, our project. And right now, my big ask out there in the world is to help us try to raise money or donate uh, body armor um, for uh, bringing refugees back for people like Roma, because you asked me who he is. He's, he's just a guy like me. He's in there, you know, going to these really dangerous cities that are getting blown up, um, going in, taking that risk with no, with no 
without a weapon, because I asked him, you got a, you got a gun or a weapon? <laughs> and he showed me his fist. I go, okay, all right, okay. Uh, and his camera. And I said, okay. And then, uh, but he had no protective gear or anything. And he's going into these really dangerous zones. So we're, we're raising funds and trying to get donations for that. Um, also, my love had a, my lady had a, her nephew had stage four neuroblastoma, and he couldn't get treatment, so we got him evacuated from um, Kiev to uh, Switzerland. So he's getting treatment there uh, in Switzerland. So a lot of lot of moving parts, uh, a lot of moving parts, uh, multiple dimensions co-occurring simultaneously, and so we're just trying to manage all that and keep people, you know, create awareness to what's happening and try as best we can to get the support we need to save lives. Um, and that's something we can do. We don't necessarily have to fight a war, but we can save lives, right? I'm feeling a little like Schindler's List right now, Schindler. Just one more, just one more, just one more. But I know, it seems, like, it seems like you're safe in Poland, but you're like, yeah, okay, where's the next adventure, though? Right. Yeah, I don't, I'm not... Well, I'm 50, I turned 55 last month. I'm 24th of March. I'm Aries, so, you know, I've got to be climbing on the mountain somewhere. Um, and I just, you know, living in Los Angeles, California, and Santa, San Diego, and Santa Monica, I just felt numb, you know? I felt numb. And uh, I wanted to, so this is kind of, Again, maybe not quite the adventure I was looking for, but it's the one that found me, and it's uh, it's really changed you know, kind of those pivot points in your life. It's really changed the entire trajectory of all my work and research and my body of work that I'm doing to heal trauma through mixed reality and the metaverse, and and how we're going to go about doing that and building these village up type of things to create sustainable living for um, these refugee women and children and giving them jobs, sustainable things that they can, you know, get them in school, get them food, get them shelter, get them clothing, all the things that they need. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of caught all of us blindsided, everybody, and nothing's really prepared us for any of this, just like COVID, nothing prepared us for that. And we see the fallout and the impact of education and kids. And so we're hoping to create resources and tools and create a shared context and some shared language around this stuff and source the solutions that we need by building that collective mind share. You know, because this thing that we're trying to do here, Eric, is so that other people can live and love and work and play well, once again, you know, in whatever means that looks like. So. Well, I just hope that the Russian people and the Ukrainian people get along. It's about love. Um, you know, you're you're the Johnny Appleseed of trauma-based therapy. You know, Joe Wickham, you're yeah. going, you're, you're in the Ukraine. Yeah. And Kiev. It's so funny you say that, Johnny Appleseed. Johnny Chapman was his real name, and um, his he's actually um, an ancestor of my mom's side. Um, he was a missionary, and it would be like these seedlings that he would carry with him because and the reason he would go into these different villages 
in the different cities is because, well, for selfish reasons, he liked that brand of apple, you know, that, that uh, hybrid of apples. So he would go into all these cities and plant these apple seeds or, or, or seedlings, right? Um, and, uh, and so he got his name in the East Coast there by where you're at um, back in the 1700s. But yeah, he's, a, he's kind of a lineage. So it's funny you brought him up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I live in Austin, Texas now, not uh, New Jersey anymore. But, um, you know, I always say this about Austin, Texas and Texas in general. You could be from anywhere. Oh, where are you from? I'm from Missouri. Come on in. Where are you from? I'm from Oklahoma. Come on in. Oh, I'm from Santa Monica, Los Angeles. We're full. Get out of town. We're all full up now. I'm from San Francisco. We're all full up. Go back to San Francisco right now. So you could be from anywhere in Texas except California. And I used to, I always would say, I got, you know, we met in Los Angeles. I would say in Los Angeles, nobody's your friend. Everyone there is a social mathematician. I'll be 14% friends with you because you know this person. That guy's got a nice job. I'll be, you know, 74% friends with you because you got the sister with the big tits. I'll be 25% friends with you because your uncle has a boat. I'll be, it's like, what do you, I'm from Jersey. It's like, what do you like? What? No, no, no. I'm a social mathematician. I'm an empty vessel of harvesting authenticity, vampirizing it from the people around me. Uh, And it's like, I'm from Jersey. It's like, if I don't like you, I don't care if you're rich. You look at my fucking girlfriend like that again, I'm going to put your fucking head in the toilet. Like, you know what I mean? What are you talking about? Like, oh, he's rich. He's got a boat. I don't give a fuck. Give a fuck. So, like, we would, uh, in Jersey, it right. was very authentic, right. old world. Like, I'll give you fair dealings, you fuck me over, that's yeah, it. Yeah. I feel like I could see how you could go crazy and uh, yeah. in Los Angeles with all those vacuous people. <laughs> you know, it's like you have to, oh, for, yeah. for connection, oh, yeah. you have to go all the way around the, uh, you know, world to find some yeah. real people in the Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah, because that whole what's in it for me, what have you done for me lately, that whole uh, attitude of, you know, transactional relationships, I just, it just gets so energy draining. It's like energy vampires, right? And um, because it's like, you know, you never know who your real friends are, right, until you go through some hard times. So, and, um, yeah, you get to know know that, and I think the more you know, like New Jersey, number one. I mean, they're very authentic because they just say it as it is, you know. So as you do, appreciate that. Um, hey, uh, Dr. Joe Whitcomb, he's uh, leading off the Bonfire Project. There's also different uh, modalities for VR applications. You can go to www.where-studio.com, and there's augmented reality for business growth, uh, data vi- visualization, product yes. interaction, training. Startups can train their uh, their new employees with VR technology. Get everybody on the same page. Industry 4.0. Um, what it. Let's talk a little bit about where-studio.com and all these different applications of VR tech. Well, they've been, um, Daria, uh, she is the CEO. She's been developing this stuff. She had been in this industry 
uh, a lot longer than I have, and she is the genius behind it. And her husband's the CEO, and Ilya is the business manager. But um, now it's really interesting, Eric, which is really trippy, is I'm not a gamer. I never did VR in my life until I discovered, you know, some of the stuff back in the day. So I, I really approached this kind of as a neophyte on this human journey of discovery as a beginner of like VR. And I think a lot of that innocence, you know, that realm of infinite possibility that exists, distilling this ocean into a drop has been really exciting for me. I still don't even play VR. I mean, I get in there and I, I see what's out there and what's happening. But I, so they're, they're the ones that do the magic, right? They're the ones that are bringing the ideas, the concepts and creating, um, you know, uh, they, they're doing everything from the top down. If you have a startup, um, we're, I love how we're all aligned. They're really into the lean startup model, the um, agile models, of, you know, and, and integrating all that into how we're building uh, um, building the company from the inside out, the outside in. And, I mean, if you have a business and, it's, and you're into, I mean, there's so much, like we're doing like VR ministry, VR church, VR prayers, VR, VR for good, VR for God, VR meditation, VR whatever. Um, and we're just making it, you know, a, a way of connecting and healing relationships, you know, in some pretty profound ways. Now, they've got contracts with Toyota and Pepsi and uh, other, other people in the United States, so they're very reputable. They do an amazing job. I have a full team of, at my at my fingertips, and they're very affordable. I mean, I, I spent probably over half a million dollars just trying to do the research and development in the States and got nowhere. I was working with a bunch of hacks, and um, and I didn't want to do that anymore because I, I, in the seven years, I failed at developing this seven times. I literally failed. Last year, the reason I went to Ukraine was, you know, I, I had kind of hit the wall again in my partnerships and and uh, this team of, of uh, Ukrainians um, were able to not just talk it, they were able to actually develop it and create it from the inside out from every possible direction. So, yeah, I, I give a shout-out for them. Um, you know, people, I hope, are willing to maybe invest in Ukraine and the, maybe the people, and this is one way, um, finding reputable people with integrity and hard work and trustworthy. Um, I've, uh, they've earned my trust. Um, they've been out to San Diego. They, they have, uh, they go out to San Diego, California, actually San Francisco quite a bit too, just during the winter months. So they, they're really well versed in the demands and needs in a metaverse and how to bring, you know, this new business to whatever. Like we're doing paint therapy, dance therapy, all sorts of different integrated models to, to, uh, to help people connect. Yeah, and it's beautiful because you're just coming as like a with the psychology 
background and neuropsychology right. background. So it's like, okay, let me just yeah. bring my skills. You got the technical aspect, but I have this profession, um, these professional skills too. So, um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they and they and they're fast learners, man. They pick that stuff up like boom. They read everything you give them, and they they're like really well um, versed in everything and hungry. And, and uh, you know, they're just with. I mean, if you see, they're they're just hardworking people. A lot of the people I know there, um, they work two, three jobs. They don't just work one. They work two, three jobs just to survive. You know, um, they don't have welfare like we do. I mean, if you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna make it, you gotta work. And so, um, you know, so that's the that's how that's how they operate. Oh, wow. So it doesn't sound like you're slowing down anytime soon. It sounds like you're going back to the Ukraine. Is this what I'm hearing? You're just going right back in the fire after the, you know, and the, yeah. tanks, the tanks yeah. came yeah. through. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're not there anymore. Let me go back. Is that what you're on? Yeah. Your yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my commitment, Eric. I, you know, I mean, like I said, this is a pivot point for me. Um, it's reshaped my values, my dreams, my trajectory in life. My mission, my purpose, you know, who I am, where I'm going, what I'm here to stand for, fight for, champion my highest purpose is to do this work. And it's galvanized that conviction of heart and spirit and soul in a way that uh, uh, I don't think any other experience could have done for me. So sometimes the universe's interventions are the best interventions. So um, even if it, you know, so, you know, it can be, you know, what seems like I was, I've been telling my team, I said, never waste your pain. We're not going to waste our pain. This pain is here to leverage us, to give us the incentive to, and motivation to not waste this pain and to use this pain in a way. Uh, pain can be a great servant and a terrible master. We're not going to let it master us. We're going to use this pain as a way of channeling this into innovation, creativity, um, uh, new life, new beginning, um, you know, so again, we can, like Ted telling this thing that we do is so other people can live and love and work and play well. And we can do all of that in this epic, you know, meta universe, this metaverse of infinite possibilities. Because you can, whatever you can do in reality, you can be even more in, in, this, in this metaverse setting. And that's what we're doing, man. We're, and no one's doing it. I'm hoping to get, you know, we're trying to get some grants and fundraising and um, some other things to kind of leverage that, partnerships. And that's been coming along very, uh, pretty well recently. Um, so, yeah, they can go to that www.where-studio.com and uh, the Bonfire Project, we haven't put any content out there yet because it's all top secret. We're keeping everything really tight to the vest till we launch because that's what they told me I have to do. Um, <laughs> you know me and my big mouth. <laughs> hey, well, if you, you know, if Dr. Joe Wick comes in the metaverse, it's not such a scary place. I just want to kick uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Jen Pizatsky out before I go in there. But anyway. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We have a sponsor. Yeah, we're talking about 
villain. You're talking about heroes, villains, monsters, right? You know who's who, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's just so sad when Jen Pizatsky, uh, you know, doesn't want to work at the White House anymore. Where does she go? Right to CNN or MSNBC to spread the same propaganda. Oh, it's like, yo, you're a good propagandist for the White House. Come to MSNBC. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway. Um. We have a sponsor for the program, ACBD Remedy. Go to acbdremedy.com. Get yourself some cannabis oil, some CBD oil. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off your order. I, uh, my favorite is for pain and inflammation, ACBD Remedy, pain and inflammation. I go to boxing every day. I, I'm an old man. I'm 36. I go to boxing. I'm sparring like an idiot. I'm, literally, I'm taking shots. Um, a little drop of CBD oil under the tongue before I go to sleep uh, is really good for waking up not so sore the next day. So I just I have to plug the sponsor. Uh, also, Eric, I, go, on. I gotta, go on. I got to give it a shout out for that CBD too. It works for me as well. It's the best stuff out there. And I, for trauma, again, going back to the trauma stuff, it's wonderful if you have trauma to use the CBD oil um, to heal trauma. Even your dogs that have trauma, it works for them too. <laughs> yeah, there's little uh, CBD dog treats. Um, there's also a company that's uh, been budding called Anti-M's uh, CBD Chewies. I got to get those uh, on board with the Highway Diary podcast. Um, so also, if you go to ericcollerbuck.com, I have a couple stand-up specials. One's called Conspiracies and Dick Jokes. Um, I got uh, Claire Schwab Jr. will be performing uh, with Sam Tripley and Eddie Bravo in Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. April 9th, um, and then April 24th, uh, I, Eric Collerbach, will be in Houston, Texas with my friend Kyle Smith at The Secret Group doing some stand-up out there in Houston. Um, any other plug, final word from Dr. Joe Whitcomb before we end it? I, uh, thank you so much. for uh, You're a wild man. What a pleasure it is to have you on my podcast, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been wonderful again connecting with you and chatting with you here. Great. So, yeah, if you can, if you give us a shout out one more time, just for the bonfire projects, are we're trying to get thirty uh, protective body armor suits for men, women, children going into these hot zones where they're getting shot going in and out to get them to safety to higher ground these refugees. Um, you know. If it's not, I mean, if you have, like, a, we're, we're approaching, like, police, firefighters, veterans, military, you know, to get donations of this equipment so we can get it to Poland and get it to the border. And then we have our team there of underground drivers, search and rescue people that go into these cities and bring them to higher ground to these shelters and get them safe. Um, that's my only ask. I don't ask for a lot, Eric, but that's all I ask for. Bonfire Project, you can get some body armor for heroes out there like Roman, Roma Verominko, who's just on his own dime all day. What does he do in the Ukraine? He just gets refugees out of there. It's like, he's, he's, That's, it's, he's like an angel. Yeah, he's doing that. He, he's like, yeah, he is. He's, he's, he is an angel, and he, he's my hero. And uh, he got me out of some very, very hot, dangerous zone um, into safety, so... And he did it for no money. I mean, I obviously gave him money because he didn't ask. And he wants no recognition, so I'm giving him recognition because he didn't ask. <laughs> You're a contrarian. You're not going to the embassy. You're a man of the people. 
This has been Highway Diary, episode three, four, one with Dr. Joe Wickholm. I'm going to start recording now.